Welcome back to another episode of the Your Houston Podcast. This is your host, Mario Castillo. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you can catch all of our episodes. And speaking of like and subscribe, please also go down in those comments and let us know if you'd like to hear. Welcome to Your Houston Podcast. This is your host, Nicholas Hall. Welcome back, Nick. It's good to be here. How you doing, Mario? I'm doing better now that you're here, but I think the real question is, how are you doing? Well, I'm happy to be here, that's for sure, because that means I've got some time, you know? Being an attorney, sometimes things heat up. So, and it's great that we're a little bit less distanced, you know? I could I could maybe, no, I can't. We're still a little bit distanced, but it's good to be back, you know? I think you did a great job while I was out, and so thank you for covering for me. Well, um, we had some really great guests. We had some great episodes, a lot of useful information, uh, but we're glad to have you back to this episode where we are kicking off our Pride series of podcasts. Uh, and for those of you out there listening, uh, in June, we're going to release three podcasts that highlight local LGBTQ leaders and the work that they do in the community. And today we're starting with Jovan Tyler, the president of the Houston GLBT Political Caucus. And we'll be speaking to him about his history with activism in the city that started when he was 18, uh, the work that the caucus does for advancing equality here in Houston, and how you can get involved uh, if you feel so inclined. Yeah, this is a great episode. I learned a lot, and I thank you for your leadership because you also serve on the caucus. So, you know, let's get to it. Let's do it. Now it's a part of the show where we're going to do liftoff. Are you ready? I feel the liftoff. The clock has started. So, Javon, this is the part where we're going to ask you some rapid-fire questions, get the cognitive matter stretching and flowing, those brain juices flowing, so we can move into the interview questions. So, first question, your favorite Houston restaurant, what are you going to order? That's a free meal. You can go anywhere you want to in Houston. It's your favorite restaurant, and what are you going to order? Yeah, Houston has so many amazing restaurants. It's, uh, it's hard to kind of pin that, pin that question down. Uh, Let's see. What is my favorite restaurant? So I actually cook. And so typically my favorite restaurant is, is my own house. But if I'm forced to go to a restaurant, um, I don't exactly know the answer to that. <laughs> next. Can I say next? <laughs> you can. Really well, how about this? What's the last restaurant you went to in Houston? And what did you order? Ugh. It had to be, be before the pandemic. All right. Well, hey, we'll move yeah, on. I can't go, remember. Go, Mario. Thank you. <laughs> I will say that almost everyone has given some Tex-Mex restaurant, some some form of a Tex-Mex restaurant when we've asked that question. Um, next question, in your opinion, what city other than Houston has the best gayborhood? Oh, uh, I would say easily um, San Francisco, probably. I would say San Francisco, um, maybe different parts of New York City, mm-hmm. um, but certainly San Francisco. Yeah, that it's it's really unique there, and it's yeah. there's so much history, and, it, yep. and they preserve it. It's it's special. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. So, yep. next question: Who would you book for the next rodeo concert guest? Uh, can they be dead or alive, or do they have to be alive? Sure, we'll open it up. 
All right. So the only person that was ever at the rodeo that I would have loved to have seen that I didn't get to see was probably one of the rodeo's first performers. Uh, and it was the only time he performed there. And he performed two nights back to back. Uh, and that was Elvis Presley. Wow. Ooh, that's a good one. Yep. Okay. So if you could have a conversation with anyone past or present, who would it be and why? Man, that's, uh, there's a lot, uh, probably, actually, probably, uh, this guy right here, this right here is my grandmother's grandfather. And I would ask her, I would ask him, uh, what was his hope and his dream for his family? to see that uh, many generations later, if we uh, are achieving it, uh, how far off the mark we are, or if we've exceeded his dream for his family. That's wow. a good question. Yeah, he was born in 1860. He was born in 1861, uh, which was uh, close to the end of slavery. Mm-hmm. And so, however, he was, he himself was not a slave. Uh, and so that would be an interesting conversation to have. Absolutely. Solid answer. You're doing well so far, Javon. So I'm going to try to catch you off guard here with this last one. We're really going to get those brain juices flowing. What is the next big funeral or burial trend? <laughs> well, you know, we've had funerals since, uh, since the beginning of time, and, and they are uh, historically the same kinds of events. Uh, you get two choices. You get cremation and you get traditional burial. And and in all of the centuries that that has um, been an occurrence, uh, those continue to, to be the number one and number two choices of many of my clients uh, for myself personally, because uh, I have no interest in, in being in the retort, nor do I have any interest in being buried. I am in a strange situation uh, in which I'm, I'm hoping uh, to be frozen. Okay. There you go. You know, see, what I want is, you know, those people get their ashes compressed into a cubic zirconium, I think is the proper terminology that they, they call it a diamond. That is, yes, but that's only a small, what a lot of people don't understand with that is that that's not the entire cremated remain. It's, a, it's basically a thimble of cremated remains that they use to make that. So one has to then determine what happens to the rest of the cremated remains. See, what I was going to say is I want to take that to the next level in this digital age. I want to become an NFT for Ethereum. That's what I want to become, somehow to make that happen. I think I'm going to go with the ashes that are with seeds that grow into a tree or something. That'd be my fallback, so <laughs> we, can, we can plant a forest. Uh, okay, well, we're going to move right on into uh, our interview, and we're grateful for you spending some time with us uh, to talk about the Houston Geo BT Political Caucus. This episode is the first in our Pride series of podcasts that will be released in June. Um, and before we get into the caucus, I think, you know, because you have a unique history with the organization being on the board at such a young age, coming back later to now be the president. Um, talk to us about your history in activism in Houston uh, and just sort of how you've seen things change as you've been involved. 
Sure. I'm glad to talk about this. So um, I've been an activist as, as young as I can remember. My grandmother actually used to, uh, on a, on a uh, yeah, fish market uh, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, in which we um, uh, uh, supported a lot of civil rights causes in our neighborhood. And so when I left home at 15 uh, and was able to get some, uh, uh, some, some footing underneath me, um, I, the first group I joined, the first two groups I joined were ACT UP and Coronation. And I was probably the youngest person there. I was 17. And um, what I enjoyed most about those two organizations was that we would show up and we would scream and we would raise hell. And so I got uh, a lot of, uh, of, of, of theatrical lung power out of, <laughs> out, out of me in those experiences. And uh, uh, as ACT UP started to wind down, um, Sue Lovell, the former uh, city council person came to us and said, hey, uh, I need for y'all to come and join the caucus. And so uh, at 18 at that time, that's when I first came to the caucus. And it was a lot different than ACT UP and coordination. It, 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 it actually was, was better because we uh, had access to the people that we were basically showing up and, and, and screaming at. And, um, and, and as an 18-year-old, that was a, a, really, a, a really exciting time. Uh, in my life. Uh, it was uh, sort of in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. And uh, a lot of people that I grew up knowing and participated in, in activism with um, have died. And so uh, as folks started dying uh, heavily between 1992 and when I left activism in, 1990, in 1999, uh, most, of those, most of those people have died. Now I've remained in activism, not necessarily LGBTQ activism. Um, I went on to uh, work for the YMCA, working in poor neighborhoods uh, in Brazil. Um, I have a school uh, that I helped build for uh, HIV AIDS orphans in Lusaka, Zambia. It took me five years of flying back and forth to, to Africa to get that built. And uh, it wasn't until after the election of Anise Parker and close to the end of her time as our mayor that I ended up going back, um, back to the caucus, uh, like many old timers, uh, for the, um, uh, screening, uh, and endorsement races. And so that was kind of my, you know, I'm back. Uh, and, uh, there was a resignation of, the last uh, president, uh, mid midterm, and some folks reached out to me and asked me if I would, uh, uh, if I would run for presidency of the caucus. And I initially said no, uh, because it had been so many years, nearly 20 years since I had been in a, in a leadership role in the organization. And uh, Lou reminded me that um, uh, rather than uh, sitting on the sidelines and complaining about what the caucus is or isn't doing, that I needed to. Uh, that I needed to uh, run for, for president and affect the change that I wanted to see in the world. So that's what I did. Great. So I was able to, to condense the last 20, 25 years into uh, what, three or four minutes. <laughs> I think you did a wonderful job for the audience and people who are not familiar. What role is the GLBT caucus doing to advance equality in and around Houston? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I think that the average person would say that our power is in our card. 
uh, uh, the caucus has over the years uh, done, a, done a heck of a job in, in meeting candidates, uh, screening candidates to determine um, what their different positions and views are. Um, and there is a, a very vigorous um, endorsement meeting uh, in, in which uh, there's often blood left on the uh, floor. And, and that gets uh, produced in our in, in endorsement flyer or endorsement card uh, that we hand out um, all over the city. And so uh, for most people, that is our main function. Uh, but as a, an, an organization historically, um, uh, uh, we are usually the uh, first uh, activists uh, that visit with politicians, police chiefs, uh, sheriffs, um, clergy, uh, any other leaders uh, in the city, in the state, and sometimes even the nation uh, uh, as it relates to LGBT human rights. Uh, uh, we, are, we are there, and, uh, and I imagine we will always be there. Uh, it is quite uh, uh, an extraordinary organization that has existed uh, unbroken for, for the last 46 years. Um, and even though we've had people sort of come and go, the organization itself has remained. So it does a lot of formal vetting of political candidates and finds out what their platform and, and what they speak towards and kind of gives some guidance as to what's most appropriate for the caucus. Absolutely. So as a fellow local nonprofit, your Houston, we focus primarily on quality of life issues, transportation, housing, mobility, resiliency. Um, do you see overlap there with the caucus? Do you see those issues coming into play with your members or just um, as y'all are out advancing equality around the city? Um, I think that the short answer is yes. Um, uh, I think that the um, 20 years ago that the main um, sort of caucus person that that they would say that they just just wanted to um, exist like everybody else. Um, and I think that in 2021, uh, by and large, uh, minus maybe uh, transgender folks, um, uh, L the, the LGB uh, crowd, uh, that 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 um, that we care about um, our city. Uh, uh, we are a part of of the will that makes the city go round and round. Um, and so, yeah, I would say I, I would say that that's something that that folks care care very passionately about. So you know, it's it's the GLBT. So what about the Q and the plus and and. What is the caucus doing to be inclusive for the the non-binary uh, community? Um, I would say that uh, between this administration and the last administration, um, um, we have worked extremely hard to create the most inclusive uh, caucus uh, imaginable. Uh, for my own self, uh, we have a uh, transgender non-binary uh advisory board to the president uh, that I visit with on a pretty frequent basis. And, and they've helped us to um, change our language, uh, change how we interact with the public, change how we pr present ourselves, ask our allies uh, to do the same. 
um, uh, even though in my wording, um, I didn't say LGBTQ plus, um, uh, 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 that is, uh, that is who we are. Uh, and it is my hope uh, that before my term expires, uh, that we take one more look, uh, at our, at our actual name and, and work hard to expand the LGBT to add the Q and the plus. That's wonderful. Um, for folks that want to support the effort, um, is the caucus an organization that would take donations? Would you, do you all fundraise? And I, I ask this as the as a member of the board and as the fundraising chair, but I want to make sure that we spread this message as far as we can. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've been able to do in the caucus and in my normal activism life is that I've been able to uh, to create opportunities to raise money. And I'm really proud of, of you, Mario, uh, in, in particular, uh, as well as the caucus on the whole. I think that we've had some of the most mag mag magnificent fundraisers and best attended fundraisers uh, in the recent history of the organization. Uh, uh, if you say, well, you know, I don't have 50 bucks to give to, to, to the organization. I only have five. Uh, you can go to uh, the caucus.org and we actually have a fundraiser coming up uh on june 5th uh at at uh, council alan rosen's uh, house um it is our summer fling um we're actually giving um uh, uh giving a, an award uh to five lgbtq uh plus judges um that we are really really proud of they are getting the john paul barnish justice award um and we have two co-chairs for that event um uh, both uh, magnificent uh, folks jeff waters and april Ayers. i'd like to be invited you know judges i'm a lawyer you know i'd like to be at that event um so we'll wrap it up here with this last question so we just talked about ways people can give back with money what about time what are ways individuals can get involved and volunteer with the organization well, um, uh, uh, if folks want to send an email uh, or actually reach out to me on Facebook, uh, send me a message in Messenger, that would probably be the easiest way to reach out. Uh, we could certainly use more volunteers. We could certainly uh, use more people who want to be a part of our organization and, uh, and, and want to contribute to uh, a, 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 a more... Uh, uh, who want to participate in a, um, God, I'm having a, a brain fog. Um, it's all right. Anyway. Do, do they block walk? I mean, so just help me understand that the caucus with volunteers, you know, I understand that there's the vetting process for the, the actual candidates. Um, is there any other ways that people can get involved with the organization to raise awareness or otherwise do outreach? We, uh, because of COVID, a, a lot of, of our personal person activities um, um, aren't, aren't what they used to uh, be. Um, and so um, we, we really haven't uh, block walked uh, in quite a while. Uh, and so that's not something that I think that we have done. Uh, uh, we used to, but I kind of don't want people to think that that's something that we're doing currently because we're not. We're just kind of reopening as an organization. And so um, if folks uh, want to volunteer, we, we do have a volunteer coordinator and um, they can just reach out to me or the organization 
and I'll get them connected. And then we will uh, move, move forward to kind of place them where, uh, where they would, would best fit or where they would want to fit. You know, Mario, you did such a great job with this podcast. I'm just going to suggest it, but maybe it's time that there's a GLBTQ plus podcast. You know, it's, it is a great way to reach a lot of folks and spread your message. Um, so something to consider, um, before we move on to the next segment, one last question. So what's next on the horizon for the caucus? Uh, you mentioned a lot about screening and endorsing candidates. Um, not a huge election year this year, next year, that'll definitely be, uh, something to do. Are there any other initiatives or uh, activities that the caucus will be focusing on this year beyond screening and endorsing candidates? Well, um, there was a question asked earlier about inclusion. Um, uh, that has been one of my main focuses. Uh, we started the year off with an event called Lifter of What's Seeing, which we, we celebrated uh, African-American culture uh, with, within uh, the GLBT movement. Um, we have a... Uh, have a have a women's initiative uh, that's coming up uh, later on this month. Uh, uh, we are looking at a youth uh, day um, that's uh, hopefully going to be in July or August, and then we also uh, are looking at having a uh, a similar tribute to the Lifter of Voice and Sing uh, for our Latinx community, and so we are 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 trying to be. Uh, as many uh, things as we can be uh, under the LGBTQ plus IA umbrella. Sounds like there's a lot going on. Uh, it's, and it's definitely more than just uh, elections and candidates, which is exciting. Yeah. Yep. And we'll be sure there to link is. down and give all the social media channels and all the like and subscribe and all that information as well. So now's the time of the show. My favorite part, the thing I've missed for months now, I'm going to ask you a question, but first let's hear this wonderful audio that always makes my day. Okay. We've had a problem here. This is Houston. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Do we ever. All right, <laughs> Jovan, we're going to ask you a question that's really difficult and ask you to solve it in 30 seconds or less. And I just made up that time limitation. Really, you can have a minute or two. Uh, so the mayor asks you to lead an initiative for a new equal rights ordinance. What are the first three things you do? Well, um, And I'm assuming this question is asking you, what are the first three things you put into the equal rights ordinance? No, no, no. What are the first three things you do? Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, what goes in the ordinance is what the mayor does. Um, what I do is uh, begin building consensus, consensus uh, within the LGBTQ plus community. Second, outside of the LGBTQ plus community, and third, um, uh, start fundraising because it's going to take a great deal of money uh, 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 if we want to ensure that 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 this thing uh, finally gets passed in our city. You know, I think if the mayor was smart, he would ask Jovan to lead the initiative because those are the first three things that should be done. 
to make sure we get an equal rights ordinance here in Houston. Well, Mayor Turner, if you're, you're watching or listening, I think Joe Vaughn should be involved. I think that this this has been a very informative session for me. I've learned a lot, and I'm glad to hear that it's expanding and trying to think of new ways to kind of rebrand, if you will, but to be as inclusive as possible to make the biggest impact towards equality in and around Houston. It's a great organization. We appreciate your time. And I appreciate yours. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Jovan. You have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Jovan, for taking time to speak with us today. We really appreciate all that you had to share and all the work that you do here in Houston. This has been another episode of the Your Houston Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, share our content. We put out a lot of useful information and we want to make sure it gets far and wide. And if you want to go to learn more about the caucus in person, their summer fling on June 5th from five to seven uh, is an event that you can check out where you can get to meet members of the caucus, hear about the work that they do uh, and support them. For more information on that, you can visit www.thecaucus.org. And until next time. Thank you for watching another episode of Your Houston, the organization where you make a difference.